right, guys, once again, welcome to another Professional Goblins podcast. And number five, I think this is like the fifth one where I have not called it Little Red Goblin Games podcast. Um, I'm Scott Gladstein, one of your hosts. Uh, with me tonight, as always, is... Mike Myler. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And uh, oh, there we can see your wonderful face. And speaking yep, of wonderful faces, we have a bird face <laughs> on your shoulder. Absolutely. So I'm Savannah Broadway. Uh, this is my co-pilot, Pelly. Oh, she has opinions. And uh, with us tonight, Jason, um, I think you're kind of a big deal. Do you, do you want to tell people uh, how big of a deal you are and why they should know you? And uh, Because we love you just as much, but uh, they will love you probably more by the end of this. So uh, tell us about yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Jason Nelson. I'm about five foot nine and two thirds. I'm broadening my horizon like walks on the beach and um, you know, romantic music. And that's why you should love me. Fair. Um, pina coladas and getting stuck in the rain. I, I as well with their version pina coladas. I don't drink, but you know what? You know what? You guys can have mine. Savannah will take my glass of Gen Con. Let's say that that that's a rousing endorsement for as to why to be your friend. We get to drink for you. I have a friend who doesn't drink either, and my God, I make up for it. I know, right? You know, <laughs> um, but uh, as far as you know, the gaming business, as my T-shirt implies, I am the owner of Legendary Games. I've I've been a Professional game designer since uh, 2002, I guess. I've been playing since 1981, uh, various RPGs, but been in the business, you know, I guess now 16 years. Oh my god! Um, and I, you know, was part of the um, Paizo's original RPG Superstar crew. Before that, I had done freelance for Woods of the Coast, mostly for their website and for Dragon Dungeon Magazine. Um, worked for them for about five years, off and on, and done. About seventy some odd books for Paizo and for Legendary Games. Oh wow! We probably put out about four hundred and fifty products, I think. Um, in two thousand sixteen, we did one hundred and fifty three products in one year, which I do not recommend. So that's more than I've done. Period. It sounds like uh, something well, Mike would try. <laughs> it's inspirational, but it's also maddening. But I no, I five percent of those products, stuff. I think. Uh, we started off as a couple that was mainly uh, focused on Pathfinder products. We were all regular Paizo freelancers, but we also brought out the fifth edition. We just this month put out our first Savage Worlds product, so we've got some stuff coming out for that. This year, we also are diversifying out into some casual games and uh, card games. We've had uh, a designer working on some of those, and we hope to have some of those available for PaizoCon or released by Gen Con. And I love to game. It's my hobby. It's also my business. I've been doing this running legendary games since 2012 and as full-time since 2014 this is my day job and my night job and my overnight job and whatever <laughs> your weekend job. job yeah so that's the joy of being you know self-employed is you uh you always can set your schedule but you never have a vacation let's say always set your schedule but your schedule is every day exactly i like um, uh you get to choose your own hours you just pick any 100 out of the week and you're set exactly <laughs> No, but it's funny. You get to work with great people. And one of the coolest things about doing this business is that you can connect with people literally all over the world, and both in terms of fans, but also in terms of people that you work with. I mean, I work with you know, Mike and with Savannah. You know, and that Savannah lives actually not too far away from me. Mike's on the other side of the country, but I've got artists all over the world. And at any given time, I'm talking to people all over the place, and that's it's exciting to get to sort of share stuff, and it's also exciting to be able to set your own creative direction and we've produced stuff for every genre you think of we've done you know huge stuff for not just for traditional fantasy but also for um sci-fi and sci-fantasy very pulpy kind of stuff for you know supers and cyberpunk 
ancient Egypt to pirates and from horror to, you know, white knight, you know, paladins and everything in between. So we've got guys who want to work on different things. We've got girls who want to work on things, bringing new people in the hobby all the time. It's, it's exciting and fun. So if you ever want to check us out, I'll just throw this out here, makeyourgamelegendary.com. We're on Facebook and on Cheap Lessons, Twitter and Paizo Boards and Ian World and wherever else. So and that's, if you've heard of me, if I'm somewhere on the, the Z list of celebrities, it's probably one of those. And I'll add that uh, Legendary Games is my favorite licensor. Like whenever I'm like, oh, do I want to do this thing? Like I'm always like, Jason is the first person I should take it to. Because like you guys are the best in terms of support. Yeah. It's great. We, I, I just want to say we always wanted to create just, you know, products to be proud of, products to be excited about making, and products that were going to be beautiful and lovely. And we spend a lot of money on art and layout and all that sort of stuff because we want our products to look just dynamite, terrific. And we talk to and hire the best people and get them all on board. We work on a royalty system. It's a team-based sort of approach. And people come with projects that they're passionate about doing. I mean, sure, I can assign stuff out there. Sometimes I do, but for the most part, it's like, hey, what do you want to work on? Because I look for people that I like, that are smart, that are talented, that are creative, and that are working on projects they're excited to work on. And to me, that's how you get the good stuff. It's a big team too, right? Because like I kept running into these walls with Hypercore layout, and you're like, here's my layout guy, layout <laughs> guy. Now spend five hours writing emails with Mike. And he was like, sure. <laughs> Most of the guys are very generous with their time. And I, I say guys, and you've met some sense, that's what I grew up with. So to me, guy, by the way, is a unisex term. And some parts oh. of the country that may mean specifically male. To me, guy just sort of means person. It's like if you're from California, dude, you know, same kind of thing. We should start saying it to the Canadian way. Like, hey, guy. Hey, guy. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is a discussion format show and our first topic of discussion is normally reviews. Please give us something to review next week and uh, our friends will review it. Mm-hmm. I will do it. Yes, our, our friends who definitely aren't us. Definitely not us. No. Not related in any way, shape, or form. I would I would be reviled to be associated with Cool Shredder. <laughs> um, but so, he's so cool, Mike. I know, but he's still Shredder. Sorry, if I uh, disappear for a second, my dog has decided that now is the time he needs to play with his rope. Okay. That's about right. So uh, we're going to talk about favorite characters or characters that we learned a lesson from or characters from games that we are in right now. So, Savannah, why don't you start us off? You never start us off. All right. Uh, so I had, I think I can count on one hand the time, the character deaths that I've had, which I feel like <laughs> is impressive on one side or the other. I can't even count how many character deaths I've had. Like yeah, straight I know. up, I have no you idea. Ticking off your party. So I, have, I have actually had less than I think I should. So this weekend, uh, I had a character death. And uh, so I don't know if any of you present are uh, familiar with, I think, was it 70s or 80s? Uh, It was a TV show called Kung Fu. Oh, yeah, 70s. 70s. Yep. So we are, uh, my Cthulhu group is playing Down Darker Trails. um, And uh, we're obviously doing like Wild West stuff. And so I decided that I was, uh, that my character was going to be my take on Kane from Kung Fu. And uh, I, I found that the problem is that those who do not live by the gun often die by it. <laughs> and really, it would have been fine, except all of my friends ran away. 
Um, because I was actually doing really well. What it was is we ended up in this box canyon and we were shot at by creatures with the bodies of U.S. Marshals and the heads of flayed horse and the flayed heads of horses. That's creepy as shit. Oh, it was real bad. It was real bad. Um, and so. Uh, my character ends up like climbing up the, like scrambling up the side of the wall and disarming one of the, the horse headed dudes. Cause they had rifles and like, we almost had two people instantly killed in the first round because the GM just kept What's rolling crits. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, the okay, new one. Yeah, yeah. And this was pulp. Like we had, we had lots of hit points compared to your typical Call of Cthulhu characters. Um... But, you know, whenever 36 is like, oh, my God, I have all the hit points, <clears throat> it's it's bad. Uh, so anyway, disarmed one of the guys, ended up, like, throwing him off the cliff. Uh, but in the process of throwing him off the cliff, lost a bunch of sanity and obtained a mania <laughs> that all horses were secretly, like, evil demonic monsters. I mean, that stands to reason. Yeah, exactly. That had just fooled the world. And so whenever I threw the horse-headed man off, I threw him on top of my horse because my horse was evil now. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, and about, like, I, well, I'm up here, like, being a badass. Uh, all my buddies are just riding the fuck away. <laughs> uh, which was, you know, which would have been better, except they were being shot at. And when they left, I was being shot at. <laughs> Uh, it, it ended very quickly after that. Uh, so my fondest hope is that since I, I, uh, killed my horse with plot damage by throwing the horse-headed man on top of it, that my character comes back as another horse-headed man <laughs> and murders, like, half the party. That is my fondest wish. Using they horse style like kung fu. Yes, yes. Well, on the horse stance. Yeah. Yep, so that, that's, that's my story. So I have one that's been on this list, like on our show list. Forever. Yeah, I, I've made a list at one point. I'm like, these are ones in case of emergency. So I once ran a Savage Worlds game called Echo of the Bat. Um, or the Echo of the Bat or something like that. And it was a one shot where I basically said, all right, guys, in this reality, Batman has died after a year or two on the job. And you guys are all, this is like a year later. And this the, is like Slingers, but for Batman. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. so Joker's fucking around with something, and you guys have all been kind of under the shadows. Go be your own thing and do your own, come up with Emerge your own variant. being like sidekick level vigilantes and, and you know. Well, this was a really low-powered world. There was like, Batman was the only hero. Oh, okay. So it was basically like, the power individuals like were not a thing, except they were, but like, they weren't like mainstays. So I made up a few pre-mades, and they just kind of ran with, like, whatever the hell they wanted. We had a, a Batman who was a fae um, who just decided to mess with everybody the entire time. We had Demonic Batman, who was straight up a demon, who was just running around torturing people, and it was great. We had ex-naval electronics engineer kind of Tony Stark <laughs> Batman. And my favorite one was Crazy Russian Hobo Batman. <laughs> that sounds like something Mike would run. And Crazy yeah. Russian, there, there was, I found a bunch of artwork, which was what inspired them. And they, From Red they, Sun. 
It's great. Yeah. There's, no, it's not that one. There's a different one they have. Oh, there's a different one? Okay. Yes, but yes. And he, uh, their job was to break into like a church. Or they, first they stopped him in a dock. And then the final confrontation was in a, was in a church. And I, I don't remember a lot of it. It was, it was like five series. I GM'd it. I just remember that demonic Batman ended up killing two players. Um, oh. Faye Batman um, ended up seducing Joker or something. And crazy hobo Batman blew them all up in the end anyway. And um, I was just kind of like, I can't really like, like, all right, story's over, guys. Good yeah. job. And it ended. The game ended after like, like six hours of like gaming, of like straight gaming, and it is like, like blew up half of a dock and like killed a bunch of the people. I'm like Batman would be so proud, guys. Good job. Yeah. But to this yeah. day, I always love. Um, the players from the game. They played a lot of my games, but they it, it was just a dumb, funny game. Like, we knew going in this was not going to be a serious game, but they tried. My God, did they try. Hey, Roblox, that's awesome. That's that's half the fun of it. Yeah. So what about you, Jason? Well, you know, my favorite character is my first character ever. Yeah. I, um, Sean Ludendorff, a human paladin first edition playing straight up dnd and of course i ruled psionics my very first character who is a psionic paladin played him up for years when i was little you know little at the 10 when i started playing and then he just sort of sat on the shelf because i dm way more than i played mm -hmm. and as it happened there was this little obscure rule buried somewhere in the first edition dm's guide which said if you're not playing your character your character should age at the same rate that time is passing and so many years later, I jumped into a third edition game. And I said, you know what? I want to bring this character back. And so I brought him back as a, you know, rebuilt with the third edition character. And now he's 50 some odd years old. And he's just this crusty veteran. I had to figure out <laughs> what has he been doing for the last, you know, 18 years or so, or however long it had been. And so I had built up this backstory. He had sort of, he had sort of loved and lost. He had become a minor noble in the world of Greyhawk. He had gotten, you know, sucked through some sort of a planar portal new campaign role. He was, and he was just this, you know, somewhat belligerent, you know, ex-military guy who had sort of seen it, done it, and was just really tired of everybody. And the campaign he went to was full of Fae who were always jerking around all the time, which he just had That's absolutely no patience for. And he was just like continually face foaming all the time at everybody. But it was sort of a fun character, an interesting you know, counterpoint to the, the players played off it very well because they had been playing for a while already. So I was new to that campaign and kind of joined it midstream. But but part of that was the sheer nostalgia of going to take my you know, first character way back when to be able to you know play through, but also taking kind of a different archetype. The, 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 you know, if the old man Logan almost of the, of the Paladin world coming in Good. to... A, a high fantasy, high fake campaign, and just like, what the hell is going on around here? But then, ironically, as he character evolved, he ended up getting a henchman who was a fae herself, who was like 1,800 years old. It's like, you're not the old man anymore. I'm the old one here in the relationship. And then, then having some amusing vibe play between me and the, and the DM about how their relationship evolved from initially sidekick to love interest to how it will all go down it so and i actually even 
snuck him into a Pathfinder product in the original Pathfinder Chronicles campaign setting. He is actually one of the characters in the sample characters in the back of the book. Oh, I got to do that now. That's I have fantastic. A few to do that with. We so talked yeah, a few exists in Galarian. Excellent. Nice. Um, we talked about a month or two ago. I, I played a crusty old adventurer, uh, cler- war cleric. So kind of the same thing, except his whole thing was he was way too nice to everybody, but kept having no. that story about that time that he did the thing. So it was like, I remember a story about the time I fought a dragon, but it wasn't over. And they just were sitting there like, the rest of the party was like, and I just kept getting guidance, so that was what it was. He kept telling stupid stories and giving them guidance. I like playing the characters for that reason. It's every man that's like, oh yeah, I remember seeing Deadpool do that one time. And then if it's old man's like, no, you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> do it with your left foot first and turn hard. Like, we, I was playing old man, and I had a ridiculous strength score, so I, I did the same, you know, that's not how you do it. And I just, I figured out how far I could jump in fifth edition. It was, I was Mario, mm-hmm. dude. It was crazy. Yeah, and I just watched him boing deep, this old man just like suddenly hop, and everyone's like. <laughs> do you guys hear my dog whining? Right. Well, today, uh, like, <laughs> I'm not talking about one of my characters. I'm talking about one of my newer players for the, the Book of Exalted Darkness playtest. So uh, it's been ongoing for a while. And, you know, people come and go, don't make the fucking time, or they have new classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this guy joined a little while ago, and he's like, okay, well, I want to play, like, a heresy paladin. I want to be, like, you know, an anti-paladin. I was like, okay, awesome. Like, let's let's write you in. So he's like, uh, he was following the demigod Lelwyn Featherwall, the Azamar angel woman. And he turned from the order, and now he's all about, like, blaspheming them. And he's also got, like, a demon thing trapped inside him. And then in the adventure that opens everything up, you get this gift from a mad scientist, and you're like, you say, uh, he's like, craft, gold, or graft. And you have to pick one. He doesn't explain it. He went for graft, which is like a free grafting feat, and he got like a demon eye put in his, his, hmm. his face. And so now, whenever he's like pitted with a decision, he rolls a D2. And if it's a one, then the devil decides what he does. And if it's a two, the demon decides what he does. And oh, like, no. this dude's got it. He's, he's, he, I'm so happy I found him because like, he's got it. He, he's like, okay, well, I'm really regal. And I wear like deep black armor and I've got this like sweet ass sword. My hair's always combed back. I'm like, perfect, <laughs> perfect. And he's like, oh, you get the demon thing. What do you want the demon thing to be? He's like, ah, oh, you know what? Let me think about it for a second. And then a minute later, he's like, I want it to be an eye that weeps blood. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, yes, we have found you. Oh, good. So. And he's been like the the commanding voice of authority and like reason in the party because they're murder hobos. Of course, like, it's one. Of it's the... pretty interesting when the person with a weeping demon eye is the voice of reason. But please continue. Well, they they just recently got like a, a like a socialite who is a person that is not a socialite, but he's. I think he'll figure out how to how to deal with it. And then, uh, yeah, one of the players is Matt. He's basically playing uh, the same character he played in Hypercore. But now mm-hmm. he's like a, uh, he's a jan- he hasn't taken his janitor costume off. He's got his janitor <laughs> oh, no. from the first game still on, just like covered in blood and holes. And, uh, Evil cripple yeah. beast. That's a- and then the other dude though. always fails his will saves whenever he's uh, offered the chance to resist his inherent lust. And then the other guy's an ooze man. So yeah, they're just murder hobos. <laughs> and then they got Odakar, the, the, the blood-eyed knight. There you go, man. Rolling around <laughs> trying to establish order. Ah, uh, yeah. 
it's just great when you get like one of those players who like gets like you this is the theme this is what we're trying to do and they fit in just like a lego oh my god <laughs> i mean you have to, you kind of have to have that interplay between gm and player you have to kind of meet halfway you know but the gm is definitely responsible for making that thing but if if you're willing to play to that theme it, it makes it go a lot easier and like a lot of people will offer up character pitches without without being asked to when they ask to join the game on roll 20 no shit no shit 90 percent of these people are like i want to play drow i want to play a drow i want to play a drow i want to play half drow i want to play a drow i want to play a drow that's not really a drow but looks like a drow and everyone treats them like drow like oh my fucking god oh so you're playing drizzet there are two hundred and forty thousand words in the manuscript for book of exalted darkness do you know how many times drow shows up twice none i do one in the one time because drow poison that is exactly correct that is the only <laughs> time it shows up I am so tired with everyone's fixation on fucking drow. It's insane. But they're cooler elves. No, they're terrible. Hayes talked about this. They're fucking terrible and they need to go. That's just it, man. Like, I, I that's just it. They, they, just, they just need to go. <sighs> All right. Uh, so favorite working project, question mark? Oh, favorite. Yeah. Da -da -da -da, moving topic. Um, well, I could talk about the book. Do you have the map? Can you show the map, Scott? Yes, one moment. So I got done with the manuscript and the read through and stuff. Hey, mom. And now I have I'm maps on, to finish I'm before I go right to layout. I have one of them finished. We're going to share that in a second. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Oh. So you guys can't see it because you're not looking at the Twitch, but people on the Twitch can see yeah, it. Small they can see it. Oh, can you? Okay. That took me well, no, I'm saying they, the, the Twitch people can see oh, it. Oh, yeah, the viewers can see it, but the people in the Hangout can't see it. I can see it. I can't see anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that took me fucking forever to do, man. Like that was a like a whole day. All That's those fucking cool. tenement buildings. And then I'm really happy because I thought ahead. Because when I was doing this, I was like, okay, Mike, by the time you hit the third continent's map, you're you're not gonna you're gonna want to be done. And I'm right. I'm almost there and I'm like so done. But I I it's specifically like the chaotic city. So there is no like structure that I'm bound to, like with this concentric circles thing, which was a nightmare in practice. So yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to get it done and get get to like actually making the book, but like I can't do it until I have all the maps. <sighs> so that's been like my whole week basically is just maps. <laughs> and for those of you who who who'd like to make your own maps and stuff, uh, there's a great program called Paint.net that you can download at GetPaint.net. It's totally free. It's like free Photoshop. Um, it's super easy to use. And if you want to do a thing, just Google Paint.net and the thing you want to do, like Paint.net make fur. And there will almost always be a free plugin that you can get to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So paint on it is fucking amazing. Go download it. And I'm going to see because a lot of people have stuff in the chat log. So next person. I'll talk. I got, um, we're working on that uh, alt path. Divine 2, subtitled Odd Gods. Uh, we got to the playtesting phase on that one. It was really interesting to do. We're doing a bunch of, um, weirdly, this book, it normally is like 50% class, 50% content. This one's a lot more support stuff, which is kind of cool. I, I really like it. Uh, a lot of deities that you may not consider. Um, a lot of subsystems and alternate rules, which is really what the alternate path series is about. Um, but we have to play some of the classes. We have a demonologist, which is all about borrowing some special abilities and kind of building your own spell list. Uh, we have the Valkyrie, which is all about when creatures die, this happens, but kind of you can kind of circumvent that. And they're flying. They're flying, basically flying cavaliers. It's kind of great. Um, we have a few other things in there that I'm going to keep secret for now, but, uh, we have to play test them and watching, 
watching some of the classes like play exactly as you'd expect it to. Oh, good, my playtests are built it right, and it's great. And some of them just being like a hot garbage fire, and you're like, well, I guess we're rebuilding that. <laughs> and um, but it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. A lot of it, a lot of it was like, oh, that did not work how we intended at all. So I mean, if if everyone could do everything perfect the first time, there wouldn't be a purpose in playtesting. But I'm happy that we did. Um, it's kind of cool to see it. Um, it's really cool to see like someone else that, who like isn't involved in the design just like pick up your thing and mess around with it. And you're like, and then when it works out great, it works out great. But um, yeah, it was pretty fun. We got to do. I ran a map that I actually ran for a uh, a backer reward on Gonzo Two. It was inside a a, a massive, even more massive than normal Tarask. So you actually kind of like fantastic. Uh, was it fantastic? Yeah, voyage. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You, yeah, the, you basically uh, go through its digestive tract and stuff, and it was really fun. Oh, the hermit and the, uh, the hermit. Were they in, like, an apparatus of Qualish, or were they just, like, walking? They're just walking. Oh, okay. There's lots That's of massive. You got to put them in, like, a submarine or something. No, it, it's 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 massive enough that, like, you oh, can walk shit. through its digestive tract is what it is. dope if you got an apparatus of Qualish and then just suddenly transported you somewhere, and then you're, like, in a turret. Oh, man. I got a map for you, man. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's say I I got a map if you want it. It's a good starting Maybe. point. Um, I mean, I could probably find a biological map of a lizard's intestines and then just use that. Mm -hmm. I was a good starting True. point. I'll let you have it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've ran that map a few times. It was really fun to just pull it out again. Uh, lots of acid damage. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of fun. We get to see what we're doing. I can't talk about it, but I got a. I told Mike about it before. I got an IP that I can work on now. I'm very excited to close that last night and uh really excited for the guy and he, he kind of ended up being a kindred soul and a kindred spirit so we're kind of that i have to percolate on and write up and then hopefully it'll come out and be a good book and then you guys gonna become that. pen pals what you gonna become pen pals no i mean we talked on facebook all the time so it's gonna be good it's like it's like a modern it's like a modern <laughs> pen pal so yeah, i have my stylus pen um that's about right yeah yeah so that's what i'm working on i get to do more playtesting this weekend so Jason, what do you got? Well, yeah, it's funny that you talk about walking around inside of an impossibly huge thing. I was just this week at <laughs> designing the asteroid worm for our uh, nice. upcoming alien bestiary, which is monsters for Pathfinder, Starfinder, and 5e, which essentially is the giant space worm from the Empire Strikes Back. It's like, how do you deal with something that's not just colossal, but absurdly big? And dealing with actually being inside of it and not being crushed and washed and acid. You're inside of it. And it's like a freaking cave. You can actually get out and walk around. So working in that design space was was fun. I, I was kind of chuckling inside as you were describing, you know, running a very similar kind of adventure. So it's, it's the sort of thing that can you know, jump out of its crater and of course grab passing starships if they're uh, coming by too low. So I think that will be a, a fun addition to the codex. Um, but that's a lot of my time now. I I don't have as much time to write as I used to because I'm my publisher hat just keeps taking the writer hat out behind the, the barn and just kicking it to death. But oh. but I have been making myself do more writing. So I've I've got I've had a couple of projects that have been on the back burner for like the last, I don't know, three, four years, five years. And I've been just muscling my way to getting them out the door. And one of them I finally did last year with Royal Tournaments and then the one I'm just about done with now at the high level pirate adventure fort scurvy where you're invading a, a live active pirate fortress it's not the it's just a dungeon with you know i thought you were gonna say a live action like 
like a LARP, like they're they're the pirate LARPers, and you're inviting that because I would I would definitely play that game. It, it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be very cool, and it's bringing a lot of cool new stuff. And we are, we'll talk about this later on in the in the in our show here. But it has, it's one of the final pieces of our pirate campaign compendium. Kickstarter will be launching um, this month, cool. so we can talk more about that later on. But it's where we're getting as much as we possibly can done before the project ever starts. And there'll be stuff for people to be able to you know, pledge and if they want to add bonus material, whatever, but all the stuff that we get done is getting done, art, layout, writing, boom, get it in the can so we can actually turn things around. So those have been certain kind of my two main things. We've also been kind of churning out a lot of stuff, like you said, for classes. We've been just done stuff for brawlers and gunslingers and fighters. And next week, the interesting new shifter class for, um, for Pathfinder. We've got a new class coming out for that. And getting that massage and outdoor the last piece of art in, it's been, it'll be nice. I, I'll be interested to see how people respond to it. It's a very new class, not like one that's been out for you know ages and ages, but the response right. was certainly loud when it came out. And yeah. we were already sort of thinking of what we want to do with it. And mm -hmm. we did a public play test for that. And um, and Jolly worked on that one with uh, Siobhan uh, Bjorkness and came up with some very cool stuff. And so some of me writing is me writing, some of it is me just juggling 400 other things from other people at the same time. And so that's my kind of works in progress at the moment. That reminds me, I got to show you some of the shirts. I figured out a way to make amazing all print shirts. And I know that yeah. you have full rights to a lot of the artwork over there. Yes. Yeah. It's, I'm still working out how to make it like affordable to include as like Kickstarter yeah. rewards. And I think I've figured out a way, but it, it's, it's like, you got to wait for them to go on sale, buy them all yourself, and a bunch of other. Yeah. But they do look really, really, really nice. Yeah. Shirts are expensive. They yep. are. They are, especially the all print ones. So, yep. Savannah, what do you got? Uh, so, I have come to the conclusion in the, the course of doing uh, Seven Serif stuff that experts make some of the best NPCs, and no one can tell me different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because my current favorite is uh, a woman who works with uh, the Icegrave Enclave, who are essentially the, the people who care for the dead in the city via forming them into corpse icebergs. Um, and she's specifically, um, basically, secretary is like too small of a word, but she's essentially a ghost, a half-elf ghost expert, level 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, who monitors who gets to go and you speak with dead on the corpses and how long they get to stay there. Uh, and by golly, she may not have player character levels, but you will respect her authority <laughs> while you are on her iceberg because she is the stern librarian of, I love of this outfit. I love it. Cool. So, Mike, uh, what's the next section here? Favorite new projects that are not ours that we cannot profit from. Okay. Uh, I cannot profit from the Pathways Beast Jerry, but I can promise that it is a great value if you play Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. And that came out this week. Uh, it's got all the monsters from the very, very, very many issues of Pathways. I think they're on issue 70 or 71 70 now or something like that. Three. Okay. I think most of us have contributed to Pathways all of us at some point. Contributed to Pathways at some point, yeah. It's a great magazine, and um, I'm sure that this is amazing. <clears throat> I don't know. I've been thinking more about like my my long term gaming, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to step away from Five E and 
and just just support Pathfinder from here on out. But um, when that happens, I'll probably pick this up. Yeah, because I'm like I, I I have stuff in here. Actually, now that I think about it, so you all can't people list me as not really. All me. There. Oh, I'm sure they couldn't fit everybody in. Say, I have I have weapons in some of their books. I don't think I have it in that one though. Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think I gave them an adventure. Had stuff, but I don't think I, I, I can't recall. It wasn't like specifically like here's a beast. Here's a monster. No, I definitely yeah. didn't do a specific monster thing. No, it would have been part of an adventure. So anyway, check um, out the Pathways Beast Theory. Yeah. It's like eight, 1750 uh, for the PDF or 35. How many book. monsters are in there? Do you know? Uh, 60 templates. And how many monsters? Yeah, that's a shitload of templates. Many. Doesn't say, but it's 228 pages, so I'm going to go with probably at least 150 monsters. 150 mm -hmm. or more to see. Be a bestiary master is my destiny. Oh, that I, it just seems like a bad plan to try and have 150 monsters. Like the Pokeballs are integral to the feasibility <laughs> of Pokemon. Oh, very much so. And they're they're kind of one of the, the the they're they're up there on the list of conceits, but there are a few more than that. But mm. I've made 150 yeah. monsters yet. I don't know. I know I've made way more than that NPCs. <laughs> I don't so, know about um, monsters, though. Yeah, I don't think... I haven't done a lot Depends of monsters. Depends on your definition of monsters. Yeah. <laughs> monstrous people. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm pulling up today the Aeon Carnet. It's from uh, Rogue Genius. All right. I read, like... I got the preview of it. But go look at the artwork. Oh, my God. We've talked about this before. Um, how sometimes we're just like, I'm buying that surely on the value of the artwork. And that's one of the ones I, I just kind of love. The artwork on the cover is very like eighties, like like. I, yeah, I was gonna say I like that. That's very, very nostalgic. Very eighties anime. It's Starfinder, mm -hmm. and I'm a big character class guy. And I, I run that list, and thus far, with the exception of the the conversion stuff, I think most of the base classes are from us. I want to see more. Come on, god damn it! Is his hand <laughs> in leather pants while he's doing this? Oh with my the god! Other I don't hand? know if it's actually in... somehow. Yes, I'm not it sure is. Where his hand actually is? Because there's no way it fit in those pants. That's it, what I'm thinking. He's like this, and he's like. <laughs> Maybe it's like behind his back. No, no, it's definitely in the in the front pocket. There, it's in the pocket. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Because and that's the yeah, but it must leather. be like an extra dimensional pocket. Because that's not it how leather be. pants work. Yeah, Carnot has some kind of dimensional pocket of class ability. I, I think, <laughs> let's say is that what they it's call like it these a bag days? Of holding. It's just your pocket a pocket of holding yeah. otherwise it is nice artwork someone I do needs like to it. stat that scott get on that pockets of holding i like that on the uh sci-fi too remember we have, we have everything of holding we have hammer space as a class feature in one of them ah nice let me do the sparkle princess sparkle princess was a strung out disney princess from a from a nightmarish candy land it was great oh good <laughs> we actually right. had him draw like I got Deanna to draw, like, draw a Disney princess. Okay, good. Now take her and make her seem like she's been surviving in the wilderness of, like, Sleeping Beauty, but, like, they're actually devils after. And she's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and she got really excited and made a really fun piece of artwork. Good. What's Alphabet Soup? Alphabet uh, soup. Uh, so this is one of the uh, tiny but mighty, uh, I would say. Um, so what, basically what it is, is a living lexicon that updates, uh, it goes, I think it was sort of trying to attempt the same thing that, uh, Mike McCarthy's, um, project was, uh, it's sort of an encyclopedia of, you know, terms and that sort of thing. 
But the interesting part is that in the latest update, uh, it provides 100 mundane magic items. And the concept of that is just very charming to me. Um, like forced to clean themselves and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's ideas like that. It's that uh, even, like, mundane items that, like, aren't necessarily, like, powerful or magical, but they've been described very interestingly, so you just know your players are going to, like, snatch onto them and decide that they're part of the plot. And, you know, then you can just make them part. (laughs) Kind of like that random NPC you toss in there, and they're like, oh, yes, he's now the most important character. (laughs) Jeremiah Jorts, everybody. (laughs) We had a cobalt. I've heard his name. <laughs> oh no! We also had the fucking. We had um. We had a. What are they called? The they're they're, they're mute Sahagan. We had a Sahagan mutant with six arms named Keth, who we rescued oh. because everyone kept lathering him with oil, because that was how they were giving him potions, and he got really creeped out. And we're like, "Come on over here," and we won't lather you with potions. And he's like, "You've killed like half my crew." The captain's a jerk. How much you offering? We're like, I don't know, like 50 GP. Like, and he went with us. Sold. To, he went with us from like level like six up to like level, I think we're like 18 by the end. And Keth was still, we got him like magical arms and it was great. It was great. Oh, good. Awesome. So, um, I, go ahead. I have to confess that I, I am so deeply up to my eyeballs in juggling the, the all the balls that I have. I only sort of kind of keep track on what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, I I was intrigued to see that I an announcement come out for you know the um was the way that the new um Pathfinder Adventure Path set in Taldor, um, Crown's Fall, I think is person by uh, Thursday Thurston Hellman, and I am curious to see what they do if they can really pull off a a heavy social interaction campaign that won't just you know devolve into yet more slugfest and combat so you know i i probably won't play it i'm you know running other stuff but i'll be i'm, I'm interested design wise to see how heavily they are able to build that an adventure path around you know the sort of the social intrigues and and how big a part that really plays is it that obviously is sort of what's on offer with a, an AP set in there, you know, decadent empire of Talcor, but to really see you know, how far they push it, or if that just is, ends up being the uh, the window dressing. So that's always been one of those, you know, golden geese out there to to really create a social adventure saga that's not just a social event, like that- the Demon Scar Ball in the Age of Worms, that sort of thing, but really to have that as an ongoing regular you know built-in part of the campaign that continues to grow and build as you go along we worked some of that into our legendary planet saga um with you know kind of your know, parties and heists and things like that but oh i'm intrigued to see how much intrigue they really put into it do you think they're gonna uh draw much from ultimate intrigue i would assume they're gonna draw a lot from it but it remains to be seen i, I haven't seen any of the uh, like do you the think they're gonna sit yet. there and use the social combat rules that are like I think this hit the development queue after Ultimate Intrigues Errata was done. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah but I mean... I mean I, so yeah, I, I no, think it'll probably be using Ultimate Intrigue rules, yes. So they're going to be using the, yeah, like... They're going to be using, like, the seating the crowd rules that everyone knows so well, right? I don't know which ones they're going to use, yeah. but I'm sure they'll be in use, especially because he's starting it off at first level, and that was my initial thought. I was like, oh, man, that's... It's a pain in the ass to get Intrigue to work right at first level. And then there's this weird spot 
between like third and seventh where they just start to open up options that give them like bilateral ways to get it plot threads, right? Like, oh, speak with Ted or locate object and so on and so forth. And like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tricky to do. It is it is genuinely tricky to do intrigue well. And I'm surprised they started off at first level. I would have just, I just would have kicked it off right at third. Yeah, that's kind of one of the models. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm interested to sort of see just how it plays out and what can I, I'll pull it up when I um when I get on my downloads and just take a look and see what they end up doing with it. Very right. cool. Very cool. Uh, that comes out February 18th, folks. Okay. <clears throat> And it's a good segue because now we're going to talk about Pathfinder, Starfinder news and speculation. Oh, uh, man. Uh, well, first of all, there there are four different job openings at Paizo right now. They mm. want a desktop support technician, which they've been looking for for a while. Uh, customer service, which is always up. Uh, an editor still. So Savannah, why are you applying again? Maybe the person that applied isn't well, working applied out. They told me no, so they oh, can well, that's, deal with whoever they get. That's why I'm wondering why it's up there. Like I'm thinking like maybe that hire fell through or something so but Maybe, i don't know, like I don't they, know. they'd pull it if i don't know yeah and then um it's weird. but yeah it does seem like an awful lot of hiring kind of across the industry and the mm. new one is an organized play game developers are looking for which i'm no interest in doing myself but I'm yeah sure a lot of people will enjoy it. i don't really like pathfinder society as a concept myself but i mean it's just part of their business model it's just not my favorite part of their business model yeah yeah um, the other cool part is that uh, one of our our compatriots has been hired as the developer at Paizo, and I think we're allowed to talk about it because it's on the page. So uh, Luis Loza is their new developer, and mm -hmm. I'm super stoked because I saw Luis early on, and I was like, that motherfucker's going places, and picked him up on our team. So if you like uh, Luis, check out what he did. He did Urethiel in Varanthia Codex, and then he mm -hmm. did... Uh, Latin America in Hypercore. What else did he do in Hypercore? Do you think he do something else? Something Ooh, weird? Did he do the city or was that other Mike? No, no, other Mike did Lucrum. Other Mike did okay. Lucrum. He did part of the novel too, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, the part yes. of the novel he wrote made me, like, literally makes me cry every time I try to read it. Um, chapter seven. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's really good. And uh, mm -hmm. we're super happy he's going. He'll, I think I, he was like, I don't want to do stuff anymore. And I was like, oh, you don't mean that. So I think I'll be able to convince him to like still work on Paizo related stuff in the future, but probably no more 5e, 5e mm -hmm. for him. Which is too bad because like he worked out the Dark Transformation Prestige class for Book of Darkness, which is the most complicated individual <laughs> thing in the book. Uh, so like, I don't want to do this. Luis, here you go. And he nailed it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, hey, good job, Luis. Yeah, dude. Uh, we're all super excited for you, man. Hope things are going Cheers good. Cheers with this empty glass. Seattle. Her mm -hmm. highness needs to be taken back to her throne. I shall return. Oh, well. All right, let's save the Pathfinder card game now? stuff because she's that's that's her. Um, I don't really do the card game. Yeah, so, so tell mean, us about Starfinder Hero Lab. Oh, Hero Lab. Yeah, I know. I, well, so they're putting out Starfinder Hero Lab. It's in, It just got out of beta, I think. But the, the weird thing that I just learned before we came in the air is they're doing a... They're doing an online hero lab. Like go like type in a URL and get pull it up there. But Ooh. it's gonna be a subscription service. Yep. In addition to the content you already have to buy. No, 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 no. For a second there I was like, oh my god. Wait. Did somebody put their thinking cap on? Wait. Mike. It kind of fixes itself a little, not a lot. Uh, it fixes itself by saying when you buy for a game, it gives you some time. 
sometime. Uh, it doesn't. They haven't talked about how much, but it's like if you buy the like Pathfinder set, if you set, buy something, it gives you a month or something. I think, it's, I think it, yeah, it's like six months or a month or whatever it's going to be. But it gives you full access to the entire rules base. They're not going to like, oh, you need to get this extra premium subscription to have access to ultimate fuck all. I have like, no idea. Let's say it it just got announced. So okay. Well, I hope that they do a sensible right thing and and don't do that. I, mean, I think I think they're going to stick with what they have, which is like. If you want all the, you have to buy each book add-on individually plus the subscription service, and if that's going to happen, I am going to throw up. We'll see. Because I, I bought a few things for Hero Lab just to build things quickly, and I've, I've made my money back on it because. But yeah, that's about it. I don't know. Jason likes Hero Lab, and I shouldn't talk down. I actually have never. I look. I don't have a problem with Hero Lab. I don't use it myself. I'm. I'm still enough of a grog card that I do a lot of my stuff by hand um, or just in my head. But my frustration with Hero Lab is just more in the realm of the process of getting things you know, done for Hero Lab and that it's, it has been far more difficult than you would expect to get you know, reliable folks to you know, do Program. the work and turn it over yeah. in, a, in a reasonable amount of time. I have got some people who have who've been you know, good and others who have been less optimal. Um, and then sometimes we've gotten stuff and it's done and it's in and it just sort of sits in the queue. So over at, at Lone Wolf and, and I never really quite know exactly when it's going to go through. And I don't know much of the internal workings of their, of their business and, or anything about the system architecture. My, my feeling observing is that it seems like the popularity of it outgrew the basic architecture of the system. Mm -hmm. And that they were not able to, you know, keep up with the demand. And it was sort of like, say, a, a pyramid resting on its point. Mm -hmm. And so all the pressure, all the weight of everything they added on was still on top of that one point. And it was creating a, it, it feels to me as an outsider looking at it, that there's a, a system bottleneck that I'm sure they've been working to correct, but without tearing in the whole thing down and building it all up again from scratch. I'm not sure how they would fix that. So I, I can't offer any technical solutions. I can say as a, as a would be vendor, you know, that sort of choke point has, you know, it's tough. Cause like people like say you run a Kickstarter, they say, Hey, you're going to offer hero lab. And the best answer you could say is, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can find someone to do it. They'll get it done eventually. And then at some point after that, hopefully it'll get up on the system. But if you're saying, well, you have here, what happened three months? No, mm -hmm. we have it in six months. I doubt it. We have it having 1D 10 months. 1D 10 plus three. And 44. so God bless them. You know, the, the, the thing is popular. It's taken off and great. And I know they have hired some new people over the last year to try and <clears throat> move things out. But it's there's still challenges there. Yeah. I, um, so, but so we, we've never seriously considered it because of all that stuff we've heard. You know, we're just like, well... The only, the only real use I make out of it is if I need to make an NPC quickly or I need to have a basis, qu basis quickly, I'm like, all right, 10 minutes done. All right, here's here's my thing. Now I have a starting point. But most of the time, even for like most characters I put in the book, I will just straight up do. I did a, I did an NPC codex at one point that I wanted to like fill the gaps. People are like, hey, I need a fighter at first, fifth, and ninth level. Do you have those? Yep, here you go. And we need a healer for a group tonight. Here you go. You know what I mean? Just progressing mm. up. So I just basically exported it really quick. Um that's the only thing I really use it for. I also did it for some um, mutants and mastermind stuff. 
um, because that was that's really useful to have to be able to see how the stuff interacts. Mm -hmm. But that's what I, that's the only really use I got out of it. And again, for what that was, it was I made my money back and it was well worth it. But I don't think I'd ever submit something to it. And, like, and trying to get people to do it custom is just it's rough. It's tough. And as far as as a publisher, my my experience has been that the Hero Lab customers do not buy Hero Lab stuff outside of the Hero Lab marketplace. Mm -hmm. I you know I posted stuff up for sales on you know Paizo and our site and drive through and so on. And once in a blue moon, you know, we'll sell some of the Hero Lab data files from there. That they, if you can get it through the through the maze and get it on there, we have you know done well with the stuff that has gotten on there. It's gotten good response. It just it's like freaking rolling boulders uphill mm -hmm. to to get there. So, tell me about whether or not people should care about these homebrewed Pathfinder adventure card game adventure paths, Savannah. Because I still oh I did not I did not post I that. put it up there go go look at it real quick so okay. like what is, how do you use an adventure path with the card game how does oh, that oh let's see in theory it presents you like different challenges and may or may not uh, give you extra stuff so it's like story dressing and it just like goes with the yeah. deck yeah. Yeah. Adventure deck? Okay. I mean, that's how the adventure card game works anyway, is like, okay, there are, you know, X amount of locations and, you know, you they have, monster, like, yeah, yeah. And some of them have like specific, uh, hazards, like, I don't know, let's say every round you're here, you have to make a DC whatever check, uh, or you get shunted over to this area over here. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all basically like sub mechanics, uh, and, and story dressing. So he's got a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Is it Mar of Lang, Shield of Rannick, Bloodlust Corsairs, and Godcallers of Sarkoris. So cool. if you play the adventure card game, uh, which I wanted to, cause it looks exciting. I just like, oh God, I don't want to know I spent all that money on the box and yeah. I never play. Uh, Mike, Mike, if you play shipping, I have the original, and the uh, Skulls and Shackles version that I've been trying to get rid of for years. Maybe. That's a, that's a ringing endorsement. Michael, Mike, you <laughs> definitely do this. Steph just got a, a well, really it's expensive that, I got computer them, and is about to get a VR. So. I got them as like contributor stuff. Um, I think I have the base. No, I have the Skulls and Shackles and the... Oh, you mean it's just you got extras wrapped up in the box? Yeah, basically, like I was working at the warehouse whenever a lot of the stuff came out. Like I have a whole bunch of character decks, and like no one around here has any desire to play it with me, so I've left them in the plastic. Oh. So, all right, if anyone I wants mean, to pick I, up a bunch of magic cards, I've over hundred hours of that game, so I personally am a little done with it. What you don't you don't uh, want to play it anymore? You, uh, yeah, I was gonna say if you haven't demoed a hundred hours of it, I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a lot that. of people say that it gets their not RPG friends into RPGs through playing the card game. So that can't be bad. Yeah, I've only played the other demos, and I think it was Skull and Shackles, maybe one other one. And, you know, it's fun enough to sit down and, and do as a demo game. I don't know that I would, you know, buy all the decks and all the cards and all the stuff, you know, for that. Yeah, it's, I have no patience or cash for deck building games or anything. Yeah. Deck building is kind of a killer. I actually just sold all my magic cards. But anyway, D and D five A news and speculation. Wait, wait, wait. We have one more thing here. this week. It can wait for next week because we're less huh? than forty five minutes away. 
So, uh, yeah, we already talked about the D&D Beyond. No, did we miss that last week? I think we missed all of 5e last week. We did. Yeah. Okay, so D&D Beyond's homebrew sections have been expanded to include custom backgrounds, feats, and races. So go check that out. Um, then I saw some speculation that was pretty good on like what the next 5e book is going to be, saying that it's probably planner, uh, which would make a lot of sense because they've been pushing planner stuff and like a lot of people have been asking for Spelljammer and stuff like that and Sigil. And I don't know. I remember they rolled out planner stuff in third phase last time. But then I saw another tweet today that was saying it was going to be a giant Forgotten Realms book. So I don't mm. know. What do you think, Jason? I haven't got the slide of Teddy. I, I don't really keep up with the with what the 5e crew is doing other than, you know, listening to your airing of grievances about the DM skill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting, you know, model they've adopted, and I understand why they they did it and what they are kind of, you know, slow rollout, slow build. Um, there's a lot of design space out there, and a lot of people who are, you know, hungry for the realms. People seem to like Tomb of Annihilation, um, for the most part. There were some complaints about it, and you know, some of them, you know, with the ample good reason. Um, I never read it, so I can't personally comment on, you know. <laughs> on how it all played out, but it, they seem to be sating the masses' desire, but people always want more, which is a great thing for third-party publishers. I mean, there's plenty of design space out there. But 5e customers also are a little weird, it's just in terms of, in my experience, they seem much more interested, for the most part, in traditional fantasy rather than more, I would say, experimental kinds of campaigns um interestingly you know we a couple of years ago we did our trail of the apprentice the legendary beginning adventures kind of kids and always just family adventures and those actually sell much better on the dnd side than on the pathfinder side you can play them with the beginner box or the regular pathfinder rules you can play them with the dna rules i've run a couple of um dna summer camps at a game store here in seattle and kids come out there and they they're fans of it that particular game store is much more D&D even Pathfinder, so that's what I run at those ones there. And certainly that's it's an easier system to, you know, to get as a as a new player and especially as a kid. But you know, those have sold, you know, fairly well on you know in certain locations. It's so they sell well on Amazon, they don't sell worth a darn in most other places. So the finding market is is tricky. There are some things they like which sell really, really well. And there are some things that just, it's tumbleweeds and crickets. So I remember so, during the next playtest that they released some old adventure converted to 5e that had like Githyanki and the Gith and Githsarai. And it was all, it was one of the classic ones mm -hmm. where you visit like the dead god city and stuff. So mm -hmm. like they definitely have tested the waters with how interested people are in that kind of thing. And this is a good segue. Because like, I, I, I think that now their focus is, is just turning on like straight up branding. Right? Mm -hmm. And they and and this would follow with all the DMs Guild stuff that happened last week, or this week, or I don't know. I guess it was Monday or something. So <clears throat> recently, yeah, recently. In in a nutshell, uh, it says somewhere it's it has it says a couple things in their guidelines and stuff. It actually refutes itself, but they are <laughs> asserting that you're not to use any logos but the DMs Guild logo on products at DMs Guild. Well, like this, <laughs> exactly like that. Because uh, that's branding, and they only want to brand D&D &D on the DMs Guild. And so a lot of people are, like, realizing, like, oh, fuck, I'm not supposed to publish stuff here if I want to own it. Um, yeah, it's always been like that. Yeah, I know. I've been singing that for years, and 
yeah now everyone's realizing it and it, and, and it's something very okay and then the other thing that the personal happened to me so um if you look up Mike Myler DMs Guild on Google, it shows my shit on DMs Guild and my stuff's not on DMs Guild. And I told them 10 months ago, I was like, hey, this is showing up on DMs Guild. Like it shouldn't. And are you sure that like, we're not getting that weird royalties hit? Cause if you publish on DMs Guild with a number of other things wrong with it, uh, they take 50% of the take instead of 35. Uh, and the margin's already really small. She's like, oh no, don't worry about royalties. We know about this thing. And so then they, they're talking about the branding thing. And I'm like, hey, are you guys ever gonna, you know, address this database error. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I was like, this, my stuff's not DMs Guild. Why does it show up on DMs Guild? He's like, oh, that's not an error. That's a feature. I was like, what? Are you what? Because like, I never actually had somebody do that to me. Like, like, I've seen it happen to people and I've seen waiters try to pull that shit on. I'd never do that to one of my tables. I just order food back. But some other people would, you know, like, oh no, that's supposed to be there. And uh, yeah, yeah I feel I'm on DMs Guild too. Yeah, all of us are on DMs Guild, guys. And you. that give yeah. I don't yeah. want any. That's not a feature. <laughs> oh my god! It how much is on there? Let me see how much is on there. I I was briefly you know considered like ah oh, you know it might be kind of fun. It's like you right know, before uh, the rules came out, I was like yeah maybe I will, and then I saw the list and I was like no, no. And even Russ, Russ, who was like down with the fucking GSL, even he was like no. Which is incredible because I think he was one of the people who paid the initial licensing Every, fee for the Everything GSL. on here is, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And it, it gives people the impression that they can have an intellectual property, which they still own on GM's Go, which they don't. And like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And like, <laughs> it's weird. And it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I really wish Paisa would let me put terrible things happening to children in my books. But if this is, these are the two choices, then, you know, I'll, I'm just going to. Finder and Starfinder. It's a very noble <laughs> sacrifice, Mike. Yeah. I can write fan fiction or put stuff on my website. <laughs> you okay. have no idea the number of aliases I've used to be oh like, Oh my god, I can just say, and for more information, reference this page on my website, and then I can do terrible things to kids. Because that, that won't have is, anything to do with the logo. That is maybe true. I, I do not know. Mm. I feel that's true enough that they won't want to bother coming after me with it because they know I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm out, man. <laughs> that's why I have shields like Jason. All right. Oh, <laughs> oh that's what it is. I'm, I'm sure Jason appreciates Hashtag, that. Not your shield. <laughs> Other RPG news. Uh, we mentioned it last week, but it is worth mentioning. There's still an open call uh, over at Eclipse Phase, I think. I think it's still open. Uh, so if you're a game designer watching this, and you probably are if you're watching this, uh, you have till February 1st. Check it Not out. Today. Oh, that's today. Oh, that's today. Never mind. Oh, fuck me. <gasps> I feel bad now. Uh, there was another hire recently, too. Uh, over at uh, Ulysses Spiel, they hired a new director of business development. They're the people who do Torg. And uh, this summer, Warhammer 40K, Wrath and Glory, which I'm very stoked about. Mm -hmm. Speaking of other uh, 40K stuff, that's a good segue, Mike. Yeah, do it. So... Squats are back, kind of. Asterisk. Um, uh, please clarify what squats are. Squats dwarves, in early editions were space dwarves, but they were kind of like space biker dwarves, and they were really awesome and okay. very, very silly. They're but, the only people who like really understood technology. Yeah, like you guys are insane. There are no magic souls in this motorcycle. It just needs a new gasket. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so they basically 
at one point said the Tyranids ate their planet, none exist. And then they were like, well, actually, a few more over here exist. And they were kind of relegated to the very, very fringes of the lore. And they just did this really kind of goofy, low-budget video where they're like, it's time to bring them back. And it's, they're showing up in one of the board games as an option for a character, I guess. A Necromunda. There we go. Um, so that's the asterisk. It's not like, guys, go play Squats again. Go play Space Dwarves. Which is kind of weird because they have the Demiurge for the Tau, which is one of their related races who are what they said are the Space Dwarf equivalent, which never really took off. So I guess they're like, I guess it's time to do that. But the video is pretty funny because they're like, Someone asked about squats again. We have to reset the clock. And then you see all the clocks that are there. And it's like plastic sisters of battle, uh, plastic thunderhawks, plastic. And this is like, God, you guys are so self-aware right now of what you're doing. Yeah, th there's a controversy over squats because like it's always like the fan base cries out, give us squats. And they make squats and they don't sell very well. So they stop making squats. <laughs> squats. Uh, okay, and they give it to them again. They don't sell very well. They so give us squats, squats are like the McRib of yes. minis. Yeah, they're like the McRib of Warhammer Forty K minis. Yeah. There we go. Now we know. All right. Uh, oh, I found a thing on Reddit that's pretty cool. Somebody's trying to uh, include uh, augmented reality with Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, you take your phone. And you put it over the map, and it would show you a 3D image of your character fighting with, like, a 3D image of a goblin, for instance, if that's what you're doing in the game at the time. Which I thought was cool. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good time to do it in terms of, like, you, they wouldn't have to make all the fucking assets themselves, right? Like, you can go and buy a, a dragon 3D creature model that's fully movable and stuff for, like, $10, as a, like you would stock art. Yeah, and, like, Turbo Squid or something. Yeah, so like, I mean, they'd still have to get some custom things made. And I was, and I, I gave them some advice. It's like, oh, go after Hero Forge. You know, like, you're not going to want to make everything for people to make their own, like, characters. Just somebody else has already done it. Just pay them. And uh, I don't know. I think it'd be really cool because, like, Pokemon Go is cool. If my phone wasn't a piece of shit, I'd play it. Actually, wait, I got a new phone. I might mm. be able to play Pokemon Go now. Here, so <laughs> and, uh, Ingress and Pokemon Go are really fun for the first, like, two weeks. And then you're like, gonna drive all over the fucking state and do this uh, uh i mean it's, it's more like an incentive for me to jog than anything else <laughs> so See, i'm just the old man yelling at clouds because they have too many new pokemon in it now <laughs> well the thing is it was nostalgic when they only had the first generation and then they came out with the the second gen stuff and i'm like mm, i'm a little suspicious and then i just failed so it so. when you have like it's cool with the local stuff where you're like all right so i'm gonna go to the local, local Poke stop and go ahead and do this and get this, or with Ingress, this is I'm gonna hack this place. And it's cool, but then you realize that you have no if, if something gets fucked up in that area, you're kinda of like, well, nothing I can do right now. Like if someone plants something from an opposite team on like makes the gym like way better and you're like, well, I can do absolutely nothing now. Thanks guys. So it kind it, it, it yeah. works, but it, it's better when you can drive around to different places. And then you realize you spent 45 minutes driving around going like this. Yeah, Steph made me drive her around a lot when yeah. I came up. Yeah. We used to do Ingress lunch breaks, which was crazy. For the first two weeks when it came out, though, it was this beautiful period. Oh, yeah. We had we, we met people in the park like, hey, guys. It was fun. I hear in Japan it's still, like, massive. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to save this for next week or should we move on to other media eventually? The Secret Hitler thing is just a, a quick thing. Okay. It, it's literally, so if you guys don't know what Secret Hitler is, it's basically like a witch hunt 
but with fascist fascists and stuff like that. Um, kind of, sort of. And it was Kickstartered, and some dude who does not play any board games was like, dude, I was at this board game night, and we played this game called Secret Hitler. I'm like, I've heard of this game. In fact, I, I didn't back it, but I'm like, I think I plugged it at one point, and they're like, oh, really? I'm like, <laughs> come child, join me on the board game side. Nice. Oh no. You're making a monster, Scott. What have you done? Alright. Other uh, media interests. Uh, uh, there is a new Mario movie on the way now. Yeah, they uh, they, they talked about it a little bit uh, a few months back, I think, in the middle of the summer. But yeah, the update, Mike, that, that's pretty cool. Fuck yeah, dude. I love Mario. So they have I'm a, surprised. Yeah. It's Bob Hoskins coming back. No, this no. Insane. Like, uh, I'm surprised after the like genuine clusterfuck that the first movie was, because um, like that, as far as like Hollywood bombs go, that's up there with like, uh, what's the name of that movie with Whoopi Goldberg and the dinosaur? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back. It's on the same level of like screwed up productionness that I can't even show on the screen because it's like in my basement. <laughs> like, yeah, they uh, Miyamoto's actually like signed on to like was it produce? uh i think so yeah i think he wants to have his hands in it which i would be the same way after yeah, yeah. the fact that it's getting made yeah. at all is kind of crazy i are, are we doing a live action one do we know if it's animated uh i'm pretty positive it's going to be animated i really hope it's animated because yeah, it's by the same people who did the speculum me and um almost sing his life life yeah. okay well i don't know hmm. i'm gonna say that a random animated. italian dude jumping around pipes is much better done in in the in a animation yeah yeah definitely all right and then there's also mario kart on the phone which i thought was really no notable uh because um so nintendo's had like this this like stranglehold on the handheld market forever and it's kind of why they persisted as a company and you can see them doing cool stuff like the switch right the switch is basically a console handheld you can take like when we got mario odyssey when i was in new york the other month with my buddy and we were playing it five minutes after he got it. Yeah, yeah. Like my my wife was walking around in this clothing store, and we just like sat down and put in the new game and started playing it. The security guard came over and was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And we were like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is amazing." Yeah, like <clears throat> so. The fact that they're they're putting something on the phone at all is is impressive to me. Like I know that there's like cheap Mario games you can get, but well, to actually put like one of their flagship console games on phones, like yeah, so oh! Mario Run was their first attempt at it. It was okay, but even they did something more interesting than your average like runner. Um, but I think that was kind of them going, I wonder if people will hate us for this. Oh, they don't? Okay, let's put Mario Kart on there. Sounds about right. Well, and they already kind of towed a little bit with uh, Pocket Cam. Okay. What? Pocket Cam, like uh, an Animal Crossing spin Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they had some involvement with um, Pokemon Go, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? But, like, yeah. Mario Kart's a big deal. I will definitely be getting it. I'm sure many other people will be getting it, and I look forward to playing Mario Kart with everyone. Will they um, get, like, a little handlebar attachment so you can, you know, do this with your phone? That was I horrible. feel like they totally will. That was horrible. I still it's have that, like, that stupid fucking Wii version wheel. came out, and you had the Wiimote with oh, the, the steering wheel. They're I hate that. Worst. I'm not saying you gotta like it. I'm saying it's gonna happen. The worst Wii attachment. Also, Mike, you will have to play it without me because I continue to be the old man yelling at a cloud. Oh, so yeah, um, the other one is phone? what? Do you have a flip phone, Savannah? Hmm. 
you no, I, I just don't like the idea of playing Mario Kart on a phone because I won't play Mario Kart in my living room while we eat, like, I don't know, dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets or something. Well, I'm, I'm that sounds, like, like, that sounds like my dream. That's the part I imagine See, would be Not being able to, like, immediately <laughs> hey. take revenge on somebody. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I still have my N64, dude, so nice. I don't think I have a copy of Mario Kart. But if someone wants to show up with one, I will play Mario Kart. We have our 64 in the basement of my dad's house, and uh, when all the brothers come back, it's just like, all right, old school Super Smash, let's go, guys. No mercy. <laughs> I am Boris. Boris is invincible! So um, the next thing on the list is, um, I've mentioned it a few times before, Divine Dungeon, book three. The <clears throat> audiobook just last launched last week. It's one of my favorite lit RPG books. They do... Um, it's like a sentient dungeon that grows and is kind of really self-aware. Um, it sounds it's it, it's a very funny book. It's it's way smarter than it has any right to be uh, with that premise. Uh, but you get it from the perspective of a dungeon and a parallel story from the guy who discovers it and is like a farmer who kind of becomes like adventurer. And I don't know. It, it's a, it's a great book. Um, the third one came out. The the voice acting and it's great. I love. I get them on Audible. Uh, I just. Literally right before the show, I bought the third one because I just realized it came out. So uh, totally endorse that. Go read the first, second, third, whatever. It's it's totally worth it. It's like 10 bucks, and you'll not regret it. There we go. All right. Current Kickstarters. The season has begun, everyone. Yup. Uh, I have to get my shit in there. Um, oh, wait. Triplanetary is first. Oh, Tell Triplanetary. So if you guys don't know, back in the 70s, there was... Try planetary game now this is steve jackson game so hey it's a revitalization of an old 70s game but something i want to point out with my obsession with the public domain is try planetary is the name of a book that's in the public domain because of some copyright lapses you guys if you guys are old school pulp sci-fi fans like i am it's the lensman series it's the first book in it the lensman series is not in the public domain but try planetary the first book is if you guys know, Lensman is basically not quite oh. Green Lantern, but it's like the basis for Green Lantern. Like they have a thing called the Lens of Civilization, which does different things to people of a certain uh, genetic line who are like the, the Ubermensch. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Before. What? Owen's talked about Lensman before. Yeah, and uh, so mm -hmm. the, the book is based on Triplanetary, which I don't think features the Lensman other than like a brief mention. I don't remember. But... I know you can't write about Lensman because that's not public domain, but you can read, write about Triplanetary, which is kind of Foundation-esque, if you guys ever read that. Mm -mm. If you haven't, you should read it. It's interesting. Looks like they're not doing PDFs, which is interesting. Like at all. But yeah, anyway, cool public domain thing. I'm always Oh, no, that. it's a board game. Oh, that's why. Yeah, okay. You go play. It's like, a, it's like a, you go around and you interact with people on this various civilizations and stuff like that. I like the intro video. Board games. But yeah, it's already got 35k, so uh, go back it because it's Steve Jackson it and it's gonna be decent. Yeah. Uh, be a fox with a sword. It's Savannah, right? Yeah. Be a fox with a sword. Um, I so I I sort of accidentally tripped over this, and I feel like the title is all I need. Like, be a fox with a sword is a great. Well, I guess it's a a subtitle catchphrase, whatever. Uh, apparently, uh, the idea is that you play various animals with swords, not just foxes. Uh, and not just swords. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a coyote with a hammer. What? This is adorable. Uh, 
It is. So you can be a, a small, agile uh, animal. You can be, a, which I think that's a rabbit. You can be like a, a medium coyote fox style where you're balanced. You can be a, oh my gosh, that's a rhino with a broadsword. Or a bear <laughs> with a spear. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, there's three types, sword, spear, and hammer. Each animal is I... a master of every weapon, so you don't have to worry. So you can play a fox with a hammer or a spear. There Stephanie we go. Would like this, actually. I would like this. Yeah, I would like this. Um, Everybody would like this. I, I, I think I get bored because if it's just like procedurally generating and stuff, like I don't know, I want a story that's beginning and an end. I'm pretty specific in my demands. I'm so um, down for But this. yeah, no, I, I feel if nothing else, it looks like um, it looks cool. A though, very yeah. interesting way to spend your time. Is it now a I'm board game? Kind of no, it's a video device. game. It's a video game. It's like oh. low polygon, and it and uh, that's why I said procedurally generating, because it, it, it the lower the more you explore in a direction, it'll just create more there for you to explore. Okay, and I'm sure they have some sort of like ma random quest mapper for it too. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's not just like here's a random cave where like there's an old man with a sword. I'm sure the old man with the sword is tied into some dude on the other side of the planet that you have to go visit. Wait, no, uh, it wouldn't probably. be an old dude with a sword. It'd be an old fox with a sword. Oh yes, mm -hmm. or a bear okay. with a sword, or a jackrabbit. No, with a apparently, sword. it's it's best if you like join a pack with your friends. I'm totally down for this. I'll play. Uh, but you Savannah, can play we, solo. Savannah, are we starting a pack? What? Are we doing this? Yeah, we are. All right. Uh, Fifteen dollars is the minimum to uh, get a copy of the game on Steam. It has like twenty to nineteen days to go. So... Oh, it's gonna fund. It's already almost there. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. I'm not worried about it. So, and with our, I, are, are you in on this fox with the sword action? Let's say I will. I think I'm uh, just gonna try to get my wife to play it, and then maybe I'll join you. Let's say um, <laughs> I think that with our stellar endorsement here, it will definitely succeed. All the ten people who will watch. This <laughs> Clearly, we are the linchpin in this. Yep, and I'm so wait. We're still waiting for that promotion deal, man. That's true. That's true. Uh, this episode <laughs> not brought to you by Peace Tea. <laughs> Peace Tea. Savannah, you gotta turn the label toward us while you drink. Peace tea. So I, uh, I like weird shit. I think it's pretty obvious. And this came out. I'm, I'm not backing it more than like a dollar. I think I'll probably give him a dollar just to like help him out. Uh, but it's pretty cool, and it is already funded. And if you are into '80s nostalgia, which is pretty hot right now, uh, it is definitely for you. If you're into weird stuff, it is definitely for you. Uh, what was the one? Oh, yeah, that was the one that got me. The Golden Retriever Ooze. Uh, <laughs> it looks like one of those... Ooze? Yeah, it looks like one of those, like, uh, really bright notebooks that girls liked when I was in school. Oh, Lisa Frank! Lisa Frank? Yeah. It looks like Lisa Frank painted it. And it's an oh. ooze made out of Golden Retrievers. So it's... Like, actual it's Golden Retrievers? But extremely cute. Um... Yeah, and like so, if you're in for disturbing and extremely cute, which I think is pretty accurate for a lot of oh stuff. yeah, no, that's that is the best way to describe that. That is yes, yeah. that I would say it's a gibbering mouther, which is technically news. I think it's a yeah. gibbering mouther Aber of golden retrievers. Okay, um, but yes, definitely and, gibbering. And, and like it's like a slobbering there. mouther. Can we call uh, it that? Slobbering mouther would probably be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Works. Contact them and offer your services because they could <laughs> to name things. That's the reason why yeah, I'm only gonna give them a buck is because like they they could definitely use like an editor and some oversight. The fair. Yeah. They also need more punny names because <clears throat> and the artwork is gorgeous too. I like all the artists. 
Well, uh, speaking of gorgeous artwork, I guess uh, I, uh, the Kickstarter I'm pitch is not actually current, but it'll be starting next week. And that is our upcoming Pirate Campaign Compendium, which will be for 5th edition and for Pathfinder. And it's exactly what it sounds like on the tin. It's basically everything you need to run a full-on pirate campaign. You have five complete pirate adventures. You've got pirate ships. You've got sample pirate characters, both heroes, villains. You've got a fully stocked nautical bestiary. You've got nautical and pirate-themed magic items. You've got character options for you know, adventuring on the high seas. You'll be able to sponsor in for stuff if you want to create your own pirate ship, pirate captain, treasure maps crew, so on and so forth. You'll get yourself personalized into the book, much like we did with our Forest Kingdom campaign compendium. And that should be launching sometime early next week. I just need to finish the stuff I'm doing on the Kickstarter site. Rachel Ventura has been putting a lot of that together as my business director. And we'll be launching that quite soon. So if you love pirates and who doesn't, we, we were originally going to launch this back in September on the International Talk of the Pirate Day, but we decided to flip into our alien bestiary project first. So we are yeah, got that you know to a space, and we've finished everything to do with the Forest Kingdom book. It's all in the printer now, so we are getting ready to launch this one here. For anybody who loves pirate games, for Pathfinder 5e, you'll find it's probably about a 300-ish page book. And um, the artwork is amazing and delightful and fantastic. We pre-ordered a lot of the artwork already. Um, like I said, we've already been working on the layout with Quartz is doing that. So we'll be posting up page samples pretty soon because we're trying, like I said, get as much as possible can to get done before we even launch. So it's like, it's not going to be something where you're going to be waiting you know, a year to get stuff here that pretty much once, it, uh, once it's complete, which will probably run through about the end of February. Then we will collect up for anybody's you know, special sponsorships. We should be able to get things turned around on that quickly and hopefully have the books in time for uh, for GenCon this year. Awesome. Yeah, I, we were in the same situation. I was like, oh, let's do this Mr. Fukuma thing. And then like, I was like, oh, well, what if we made the evil project we've had sitting in the can of like Decopunk? And then uh -oh. <laughs> just like that one errant thought and then everything goes, okay. Yeah, so our whole schedule just got yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, we have three it's things. It's when the timelines diverge. We kind of have like three things where we're like, we should Kickstarter all of the year. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So we might do small Kickstarters for like two of them maybe, I think. Well, I'm, I'm stoked because in March we're launching uh, an adventure path for Miss Vakuma, and I've got shirts that are fucking amazing. I've got uh, six adventures or seven adventures, I think. And they're all on roll 20 and in PDF and in print. So like, nice. um, yeah, dude, like I, I'm always saying like, this is going to be the one. And like this one, I swear to God, this one's going to be the one. Like we got Claudio doing the promo artwork. Like, oh yes. Yes. So, um, we got about 10 minutes left. Let's, uh, switch over. Jason, what are you, uh, what's your, what's your open uh, topic tonight? My open topic. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Tell us your heart's desire. Game design related in some way, but not necessarily. No, no, I want to know about your foot fungus. Oh, how's, we how's talked that about working? musicals one time. <laughs> yeah, we talked about tentacle. No, testicle mutilation was not at the 10th thing. That no, was I, somewhere beforehand. I'll pass uh, on that's fair. It was geopolitics and testicle mutilation. Yes, because <laughs> it was about Casino Royale, and that right. is basically the summation of Casino Royale. Testicle torture, great. Yeah, well, I mean, also, if you add, like, Copious amounts of gambling, but I mean that's kind of geopolitics, right? Yeah, that's very yeah. geopolitics. 
So, Jason, what do you, what do you got for us tonight? Um, how about college football? All right. I know about a, uh, I know more about Blood Bowl than I do college football. So, you know, you know the, the, the Venn diagram for gamer fans and sports fans does exist, but it's it's not a huge overlap. Yes, it's um, there's a lot more overlap in Seattle than yeah. anywhere else I've been. Um, but it's I love you know football in general, but you know college football is an interesting thing because you compare it to something like you know the the NFL, we've got professional athletes who are making you know hundreds of thousands at least, if not millions or tens of millions of dollars, and there's a, as a professional, there's a certain concept of assumption of risk. You can decide. I want to go and do this and I'm going to get well compensated for it. And if there's some sort of health, you know, problem that occurs, well, you know what? I made my pile and I made the decision knowingly as an adult. College football is a little different because of course now you've got literally, you know, hundredfold or a thousandfold the number of players who are in most cases getting compensated with an education, but don't ignore don't enjoy the same amount of benefits. And then you go down to youth football and high school football and the potential health problems of football are magnified. They have less money for equipment and less ability, perhaps to make a, that informed decision. The college football was kind of right in that inflection point because you are getting rewarded um, both in the social sense, but also in the liberal sense with what you're getting for the highest achieving players. They're not necessarily getting rewarded according to their, you know, direct marketability, but it's a, it's a tricky thing to think about. How would you want to compensate all players? Is should it all be based on earning potential, star potential, or did every player on the team get the same kind of share? Even though, you know, Joey the the punter is never going to see the NFL without a ticket, and you know, Mike the starting quarterback is going to make you know ten million a year or whatever. Um, but this is a um, high school athletes get recruited up to college football, and this. This used to be one of the big recruiting weekends of the year, the sort of National Letter of Intent Day. It comes like the first week of February. And this used to be, okay, where is the star players all going to go? But this year is going to be in a little bit of an anti-climax because they invent that early signing period. Both top players are already signed. So if you're a college football fan out there, what do you think about the early signing period? Now, of course, none of you guys are college football fans. You don't care. But it well, is intriguing, intriguing to me just to see the, the economics of the situation and how it affects different teams differently if you let them decide earlier versus later and how you watch it play out and what the um, what that recruitment and salesmanship process is like on players, whether they commit and stay committed, whether they flip at the last minute. What's the economic right of a player while there's still a – a free agent, if you will, to decide where they want to go and what they want to do and what's the best choice. I kind of have like an impressive thing to add. So uh, as human beings, our ability to think in long terms, when I say long term, I mean decades and stuff, mm -hmm. doesn't actually finish developing until you're about 26. Yep. So like recruitment into the military, uh, college loans and stuff like playing college football where you can very easily injure yourself permanently for life aren't decisions I feel like should be made lightly or, or like in, I don't know, there should be some kind of protection in that decision mm -hmm. is what I come down to. Right. Cause like yeah, if it was the adage of, uh, you know, you go from having to raise your hand to, uh, go to the bathroom to, you know, uh, taking out $80,000 loans every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, or it's killing people, yeah. or dying trying to kill people, like <clears throat> or yeah. dying trying to get student loans. 
So, <laughs> but like, hey, it is something I definitely dig into a little bit. South Park did a really great episode. Did you see it with uh, the college basketball players? I did not. Carmen dresses up like uh, fucking uh, Colonel Sanders. Oh, it's great, dude. Oh, so so tell me how 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 can I buy some of your college athletes? Because <laughs> they they put these dudes on the covers of games. Like, how can you be on the cover of a game? Walk into the store, look at it, and like, I can't imagine like I, I you you get nothing for that. Like you are mm. that's not like that guy looks like you. That's you. He's wearing your jersey number. Like that wouldn't be there if you didn't play basketball or football or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 definitely fucking whack, right? That's <laughs> use of likeness. Like, you know, my uh, my brother, my oldest brother, his name is Jeff Nelson, and there used to be a professional baseball player named Jeff Nelson. So one year, I went uh, and got him a t-shirt. That'd be kind of funny. Got him a t-shirt, like a, a Seattle Mariners t-shirt, and with that, put Jeff Nelson on the back of it and put the uh, the number on there. And the person did go ahead and make it for me. But I was talking to somebody that said, yeah, probably was uh, illegal for them to make you this Jeff Nelson non-officially licensed thing. It's like, my brother's name is Jeff Nelson. Yeah. You know? But just because of the way that things you know, work up, you know, it had a specific meaning in that specific context. Then, So one of the, the weird things is, um, I grew up in Connecticut, and we sold all of our professional teams. The Whalers were our last professional teams. You yep. don't say that the Patriots are because they're New England, but they're actually in Massachusetts. We yep. tried to buy them at one point, but it didn't work out so good. Um, so the only real sport we had was college basketball. Yep. So growing up, we watched the Huskies, the Yukon Huskies, and the state poured all the goddamn money into the college Husky, or the Yukon Huskies. And because of that, we got Calhoun and a bunch of really amazing athletes because the incentives were just like, instead of paying like for a huge stadium, we're going to put it into the college program, state stuff for mm-hmm. the college program. And one year we had a team that won both the men's and the women's college basketball yeah. on the same night, defeating the, like their biggest rivals, like Connecticut, tiny little nothing Connecticut, never felt so damn powerful. And then it was all gone. Mm. Oh. It was our moment in the sun. Like we have done nothing significant since like the Civil War, or not Civil War, <laughs> the, the Revolutionary War. And then we're like, we have one night. Yes. And we're done. Mm-hmm. Plus the, 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 was they, they're not called the Hurricanes. Oh, dude, you know what we have as a baseball team? We sold our only minor league team, too. You know what it's called now? We had a replacement mm-hmm. one. It's called the Yard Goats. Who named the team Yard Goats? There are teams in Illinois. Uh, there was the Green Wave, uh, which was about corn. Uh, there was the <laughs> Apple Knockers. <laughs> uh, there was, let's see, what was it? The Boomers, I think. You don't want to knock they're... apples. You want to catch them. It's a pole with a little thing on the end that yeah. looks like. Oh, I, I know what it's for. <laughs> yeah, it's like but... a, you're not supposed to knock apples. Who are the fuck they? What? Do you know what a yard <laughs> yeah, goat actually is? It's it's also the name of their fall festival is apple knockers. Okay, that makes some more sense. So a right. yard goat is the name of like a train worker who would adjust where the trains went. It was kind of like a like a like a it's like a tugboat for trains, kind of. Mm. So, I like but, what I had in my head way more. But it's like a funeral goat. goat with like a rope. That's their logo. <laughs> is a field goat with a rope. I'm not kidding. Yeah, oh, of course. What else would you have? I don't uh, know. There's a community college, or is it a high school? One of the two in Aberdeen, Washington, uh, and their mascot is a lumberjack. 
Yeah, I want uh, to dip all the frisbee team. And, and it's called they're called the chokers. <laughs> because that's the name of like, you know, in ye old timey lumberjacks oh. where they like climbed the tree with the chain around yeah. their waist and like moved up. Those are chokers. Yeah, and yeah. That, a flannel wearing man name. who's called a choker. I want yep. to call us the wild lumberjacks. The um, wild lumberjacks. We had a uh, see the, the, our previous minor league baseball team was cool. It was called the Rock Cats, New Britain Rock Cats. They had like a music theme. It was cool, and then they got then they sold them. And now we have the Yard Goats. Didn't you have like, the New Haven <laughs> Ravens? Yard Goats. Yeah, but no one paid attention to them. Oh, okay. It was no, the Rock Cats. The Rock Cats were the important one. That did a bunch of college baseball, and like they, he he went to he ended up changing colleges in the middle, and he went to St. Bonaventure, and he like smashed their home run record, and I think they gave him a scholarship after that. And they used one to incentivize him, and they gave him a better one. And then he got to do yard teams for a while, and then um, injury from high school came up with his shoulder, and they just dropped him like, like forget it. And he was a catcher, so uh, but he hit his thing was hitting, so he needs shoulder. He was a catcher, not a pitcher. So like, there's an exact example of an athlete who like poured it, and I'm, he was insane about it. Like this dude was in the backyard with the fucking wiffle ball bat and the machine constantly, right? And like now he's an administrator of school. He's doing fine. He's got beautiful family and stuff. But like, yeah, there's there's nothing that he gets out of his college days of all the ball except for like he's he's really good at baseball when they do like a pickup game, you know. <laughs> That's kind of bullshit, right? Because like he he didn't risk too much being a catcher. Like anybody beams him, he's got the <laughs> helmet on, he's fine. Um, anybody beamed him on the bat, like good lord, help them. So, <laughs> yeah, like he's got these leg arm things still. It's terrifying. <laughs> So uh, um, we, we've hit time, but by the way. Like a linebacker or something. Like a linebacker suffers, even even if they're a good linebacker and like they only play for a couple of years, you suffer damage. A lot of heads. A lot of heads. Yeah, dude. See, you didn't think you'd be able to talk for 10 minutes about sports, and there we did. Fantastic. All right, guys. Yes, and uh, as our time check, that's 6 o'clock. Perfectly on the dot, guys. All right, or 9, nine o'clock for us Easterners. In the future. Hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, see you again next week. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thanks, Jason.